Welcome, everybody. We got more coming. I thought I said okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, my name is Jerry Chapman. Uh, I was born up in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I'm part of the Stalo Nation, Nation Tribe there. And uh, and I was explaining earlier that um, our tribe is affiliated with the Chinook Nation and all the coastals up in the state of Washington and uh, the southern part of the British Columbia coast. And then actually the Coast Salishan um, people went clear up into the Spokane area. So there's uh, quite a relation, quite a, a trade route, if you will. So our people speak uh, uh, Salishan type of language. So I would say to you, uh, um, And what I'm saying is, first of all, hello, my friends. Hello. And, uh, I, and I'm talking about Creator. Ochichas Siam is our way of saying God. So in, in, in my language, in the Helkamalam language, we would say Ochichas Siam. We praise Ochichas Siam. Mekwe Swale would be his, the Son of God, which would be Jesus. So we would say Mekwe Swale Ochichas Siam. So thank you, Lord, for thank you, God, for bringing your Son to us. And early in the early days of uh, our our history, we were a worshiping people, and we have uh, many years go by, and um, there was prophets in our lineage, and they prophesied of the uh, the coming people that were going to come to our shores, and uh, and the prophets described them, and they would have pale faces with long robes. And, uh, and some of them would be coming and sharing talking leaves. So the talking leaves, obviously, is what? It's our, it's our Bible. It's our, it, and, and they were going to be bringing something, and they were going to be sharing the rest of the story to us. So um, the title of my uh, talk today is uh, The Rhythm of God's Heart for the Nations. And I'm guessing just that title alone may have drawn some of you here. Um, and, you know, what does it mean to walk in rhythm with the Creator? And I had prepared, I thought, the best possible message I could give you. And uh, I, took, I took that to heart until last night when the Lord said, Right? Right? right this happens? I have a specific word for somebody probably sitting in this room, and I, I want you to, to, to deliver that message. And I said, okay, give me strength, because uh, I worked all day, it's 8 o'clock at night, and this was last night. And I said, Lord, show me. And what happened was, when I got done with it, it flowed so much smoother than what I had prepared and I was jumping all over the place, and I thought, you should have said something sooner. <laughs> so someone in this room, I'm, I'm just praying that it's for you. And, uh, you know, the message about 
a little bit of uh, another thing as you can see um, I'm a drummer and a drum builder uh, I, I've studied percussion since I was your age so if, since I was a young how old are you about nine or, ten. No, nine or ten I was nine when mom put a mini conga in between my feet and I grew up with a family of musicians so grandmother played all the boys played mom played and there was no drummer in in the family but mom noticed something happening as I'm listening in the car ba -ba 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 -ba, and she would turn stop 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 and uh, she finally realized after a season what was going on and then not long after the little conga was put between my feet then a set of bongos came and then I was doing hitting here ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba. so that was my calling really was and, uh, and I knew it was a natural thing and so I grew up and uh, later in life as I, when I got saved the Lord showed me the congas again and, and the percussion and so I went to the music director and I said can you use a conga player? Can you use a percussionist? And uh, they said, well, yes. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to force myself on this issue, but the Lord has called me back to the, to the instruments. So, and I've been doing it ever since. But since then, I realized something getting called back into a, my tribal culture, um, which, was a, which was a test in itself. Because there was prophetic words... How many of you get prophetic words? A prophetic word, and you trust these people. If you trust these people, and you know they're passionate, and they love the Lord with their whole heart, and they would come to you and say, Jerry, I see you ministering to your people. Back then I wasn't. I was serving in a church, and I, I was running the other way from native ministry or being native I was embarrassed in some cases to be honest with you because I was raised on the reservation the, the reserve in Canada and it wasn't pretty we were dirt poor and there was 10 kids at home and dad was an alcoholic but he managed to work and kind of grew up in that environment well there's this family this family when you multiply all the families 90% of them were, were alcoholics so I wasn't embracing anything native but until these prophetic words started coming and after the third one and it was a confirmation of the second one and then I attended a midweek prayer gathering and you know this gathering was a group of people about twice this group and they were all a bunch of unchurched people what happened was they were disgruntled or whatever reason they, they left the church for different reasons but they, get, they banded together and this group of people a powerful group now that I look back at it one of them the Lord told this person who I knew to go to the rental store and rent a war bonnet and he says when you get to the church I'll show you why. And they didn't, they didn't know I was going to show up that Wednesday. You know, you never know what day. So that particular Wednesday, we showed up. And before the session even began, um, they called me forward. And they said, Jerry, we have a word uh, for you. And so I, I walked up there. 
And I say this, and it may not mean anything to the rest of you, but what direction is north? Is it this way? Roughly. So I'm walking up, and I happen to be facing north where I'm from. I'm from the north. And the person says, uh, began to pray. And the person's facing me and praying. And then the next thing I know, this war bonnet goes over my head, and I felt the feathers hanging, and I got chills like you wouldn't believe. And I knew what it was. I knew what it was. And it was a garment of authority. It was a garment that, that, that shows that you are being called to something. You have a responsibility. And no native man will ever wear a war bonnet unless three things happen. One... You're the oldest male in your family. Two, you're a veteran. And then three, it was an honor gift for you for a specific reason. It was an honor gift. I was called to the nations. I knew then and there I was called to the nations. So I get home. The next day, I get a letter in the mail, and it's a native business from Canada. I, don't, I ignored it for all these years, and I ignored it. And it was about all the things that are important to us now. And then my good friend Jane over here will relate to this. I was getting Charisma magazine in the mail pretty faithfully. I was just a passionate Pentecostal guy and I just was into it. Not into the native thing but I was into everything. And on the cover and I opened the, the cover up. Here is a tall Native American in full regalia. And it said many nations, one voice. And it, then I went to read it and in the article and it was showing Native women, Alaskan Inuit, all these different tribal faces and they're in their regalia and I go what is this Lord and I read it read read the whole thing and at the bottom it said Richard Twist Vancouver Washington I live in Longview 40 minutes from Richard's door is our door over time we became such close friends and that was the partnering thing that was the thing that shot me out into First Nations ministry so I went from the conga percussion player. Then I began this journey right here when I went to, and I, I expressed to the chief of our tribe, I said, I want to learn our drum and I want to know uh, as much as I can about it. And so Chief Maureen, my elder sister, brought me to the drummers, the two brothers that were the longhouse drummers. Don't be scared. I mean, I said longhouse, but a lot of good things are happening in longhouses now. These two men, for an hour, took turns singing songs to me, and I thought, well, I'm waiting for the mentoring part. I'm waiting for the instruction, how to make these, do whatever. And all they did was sing to me. And they, we said our goodbyes. And I looked at my sister, we hop in the car, and she goes, it's coming. She goes, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so, a month goes by, and without, you know, she lives six hours from me in Canada, 
And she shows up in our driveway, and uh, she had a package with her. And she says, uh, the, the family, the drummers want to gift you this. And this is their traditional drum that they made. And, and it was passed down to them by the elder that was in the hospital, uh, ready to cross over. And this man gifted these drummers our songs. So all the songs that were old, 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 this man was carrying, he taught these two brothers for years. And finally, he handed the drum off to them. And then in turn later, I was gifted a drum by them. They didn't know anything about other than I'm passionate about drumming. They didn't know I was called by God to go to the nations and be myself somewhere else. That's all God's called me to do. Just go be yourself somewhere else. That's an interesting story in itself, and I guess I won't go into that. Um, allow me to sit down just a second. So I make the traditional drums, but I was sharing earlier about your Bible talks about the timbrel, and most of you probably seen these, but this was the early style. This is actually an African style, and uh, with a goat skin. But that's that's your uh, early timbrel. But if you want to go ancient, then we've got this guy. So this baby is really old and, of course, handmade. And uh, it's just... automatically get up. They do a dance circle. Come and dance before the one who said his son. He gave his life to join our hands and complete this circle dance. His love so pure a gift to man, Yahweh ho, Yahweh ho, yo, Yahweh ho, hiya, Yahweh hiya, Yahweh ho, 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 hiya, Yahweh ho. So it's used for uh, a form of worship, and God was very clear and very passionate about um, uh, worship. Um, as I'm called now, okay, I've surrendered, I go, I say yes, and then I began to build my instruments and uh, of course, challenges came. 
both in the church and even within our tribe, and even within our tribal people. If there's anybody in this room that's native, you know what I'm talking about. So if we bring in our traditional drums to a church, it's it's shunned. It's uh, they go. Wait a minute. I think earlier, Michelle, we talked about getting permission. In some places you go as you're serving on the mission field somewhere, you just don't assume. You just don't assume anything. And it's good to do your research, and it's actually good to, to pray. <laughs> and it's also really cool to be humble. It really is. It's, it's amazing to just be humble. And I mean, uh, of course, musicians can, can be a little weird at times, you know. I mean, I, and I've, I've traveled with many musicians, and we've played together for years. And I understand it. You know, sometimes musicians feel like they need to be heard. But a good musician waits for their place. There's a part that they play. And it isn't the whole thing. And it isn't the party about you. It's their, their, their spot. And then they come in. And they enhance the music. They enhance the worship. You know, when I look at things like scripture, like uh, when David would dance and celebrate, and he would take all his garments off and dance just crazy. And I thought, I'd sure like to see that. I've seen, I've seen things close to that. So in our native gatherings, in our native community, it's like your church, for example. Honestly, if I were to ask a raise of hands, how much dancing is done in your church? Can anybody say absolutely all the time? Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Ooh. Oh, there, you go. there we go. Yeah. So you can dance anytime you want. You know what I've started noticing? I started noticing drums like this big one here, but upright and deep. And I'm starting to see these drums in the church. And I'm like, well, where are you getting this influence? Well, some wild Native American came through and, and did, led worship, and we had to have our own drum. So now when you walk into the church, it's front and center, uh, right below the pulpit. And, so, uh, and it's not always played. So there it is. It's sitting there like a piano over there or whatever over there. There's this drum, but it's there, and it's there for celebration. But it's also, to me, it's a martial piece of equipment. I'll show you why. Yes, Lord. So, as I'm building traditional instruments, I'm praying in my wood shop. I have a wood shop, and then upstairs, it's a barn, and upstairs is where we do worship and gatherings. So, I'm in my wood shop, and I said, Lord, I need, I want to build something that will sound good to you. And he would show me. He showed me how to build all kinds of instruments. And this one here, uh, not because... It's not like anything. And uh, I had a friend that can make these laminated hoops for me, and it's maple. And for drummers, guitar players, we love our maple. And this is buffalo hide. Two different hides on each side. And so uh, I built this for the Lord, and then I just play it whenever he says to. And uh, this is the one I was... I was I felt to bring.
So as you are led by the Holy Spirit in your gifting, in your artwork, in your cooking, or whatever it is, when you're led by the Holy Spirit and say, I appreciate good food. So when some when food comes to me and it's like amazing, it's like that's a gift from God. That's that's going that's going somewhere. You know, or whatever it is. Whatever God put in your hands, when it becomes such a passion and you love Him, for some reason or another, that thing just becomes anointed. I, I, that's the only way I can describe it. It becomes anointed. And, and something happens. And there's an environment that starts and all of a sudden we've got this thing going. It's like, so just because an instrument has a way of creating things, the Lord just showed me, He says, every gift can do the very same thing. From these young kids here to our elders. And the gifting is powerful if you allow Him to, to lead you that way. So, one of the examples I wanted to throw at you was because I wasn't sure as a new, this seems odd, but as a new native believer, so I've been a believer, follower, serve everywhere I could in the church. I was Mr. Do-It-All, and I just, just let me, give, me, give me ministry. Just give me all this stuff. And I did it all. I mean, everything but preaching the pulpit full-time. Um, once the transformation happened, I almost felt like, and I used this word, the phrasing, born again again. And Don Potter sings a powerful song, and I started singing that song pretty regular. And I thought, I want to be born again, again. Go all the way back to my first love, and then... You know, I really want to believe that this is truly what He called me to do. So I know in my spirit, I was called to this, and I said yes to it, and, 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 and we go. So I said yes to it, and a, a missionary from South Africa shows up in Canada and st starts a church in a school classroom that, that's the only place he could rent. And he was called to the First Nations people of British Columbia. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so, so that, after almost a year of ministering, he's, he, he throws his hands up and he goes, where's the First Nations people? God's called me to this. And he's talking to his staff and whatnot. And my niece, who is blonde hair, brown eyes but very fair almost white skin um, was in the classroom in the in the in the in the in the meeting and she says pastor well my family's first nation and he looks at her like you and uh, she goes yes um, um her father was white. Uh, he's a German, 
uh, this end, blonde, blue-eyed. So she, a lot, a lot of that coloring came from him. But she had this look of, of my sister, and uh, so. She introduces my chief Maureen, and next thing you know, my sister's going to church on a regular basis. Yay! And she's calling me and going, Brother, I just got I got saved. She goes, You're the first one I wanted to call. So she is saved and, and, and now serving the Lord. And it's just awesome. So so this guy goes, So you're a native people. God called me to you. What what can I do for you? And uh, then they, he would be come to to the gatherings and things, and he 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 was getting the gist of what was going on, and he saw the the deep needs of our native people, and so he began intercession at every native gathering, he, canoe journey, powwows, potlatches, whatever it might be, anything he heard, he would go there and just intercede. And then he'd come back to his church, and then we got invited for the first time. And my sister says, I have a brother that's a worship leader. He leads with native drums, and uh, would you want him to come? So we got the invitation. I brought a team. We did light worship. And then we got invited again, and we did more, and it got just crazy. And then the third time he says, I'm going to Amsterdam uh, the spring of the following year, the next year. Would you be interested in this? Pray about this. The Lord showed me the First Nations people's voice, and it's going to come out of your drum. Would you be willing to drum in the atmosphere of Amsterdam? I've never had an invitation like that before. (laughs) Come drum in the atmosphere of wherever. Well, the Lord just opened my eyes to the fact that, Jerry, I want you to do this everywhere. So we said yes. And it was a... It was a... It was a hurricane. It was crazy. Landing in there and the culture, and it was just amazing. And we were right to work and setting up and playing. And the first session was good. It was a solid church, and they received, but they weren't sure. They weren't quite sure, these Americans, but the native people singing some of their language to us. We don't get it. So they they turned out at the next session, which was held in a church, but it was a theater. So it was a slope down where the big screen was, was the stage. And they had flags up and down the sides. And I thought, well, what? Is that all the nations? But the, it, it was a complicated thing. And so pastor meets with us and says, well, just brother, I just want you to know this will probably be the coldest church you'll ever minister in. And I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, these people don't budge. They hardly respond, but they come. They're faithful attendees. They tithe. They they fellowship. And they're really reserved. And I thought, okay. And I said, well, so I've, I've, I've been praying about what to play in the songs that I feel led to, to sing over this. Because why? I was asked to come drum into the atmosphere of Amsterdam. I'm in Amsterdam. Tomorrow is Rotterdam. And then there was another dam I couldn't, I didn't know which one. 
There was three. So we did a five, five day or six day tour of Holland. It was amazing. So the Church of the Frigidaire was was pretty much what I thought. And uh, but what was cool about it is they had a bookstore up front, which was the storefront. And then up above it had the sign that said, whatever church. So everybody was brought in by the books. And it turned out to be a Christian bookstore and a coffee shop, hand in hand, coffee and books. And then you go down the hall and through the doors, and this door swing open, here's this huge auditorium. And I looked at the guys, I said, the acoustics are going to be amazing. I said, Francis, you crank it up over there, more bass over here, drummer, you do this, and we're just going to go for it. And we just, we had a list, and we just prayed, and, and man, I'll tell you, right from the first strum of the guitar, everything started happening. And then there was a celebration that took place on the platform, and guess what happened? The Church of the Frigidaire started, the ice started cracking. And next thing you know, people are standing up. And the next thing you know, they're moving out into the aisles. And next thing you know, people were doing this. And I, and, I, and I got to thinking about pastor going, I thought this church was a reserved, you know, conservative church. What's this hand-raising business? Next thing it happened, there's people doing this with flags. And then we're over halfway through session and just doing worship, and there was going to be two different speakers. The Church of the Frigidaire grabbed every flag that was along the walls and began running down the aisles. God broke something. God broke something. And someone had faith to believe that if you come and drum into the atmosphere... God was going to break something. That's exactly what happened. That's a long way to fly, just in faith to go, God, are you going to break something? Well, he did. And it was powerful. So the next night, we're in Rotterdam, and we're in a bus that was rented, and Pastor looks at me, and by the way, on the flight, I have my notes, and I'm writing, and I'm in Scripture. Kids at your age, if God gives you a word... Go to that word and look that word up everywhere in the Bible. So if God gave you a word for a specific friend or somebody at school, research that word. It'd be like the word, say, um, secret place. So you research secret place. And the Lord's going to show you something about that word if you research it. So I'm researching my stuff and doing my thing, and the Lord gave me this thing on the plane. It's a long flight. And I get done, and I'm kind of compiling and doing that. So anyway, that's put away. So the next night, we're packed up in a van, and I'm going. And pastor's driving, and he looks over at me, and he says, uh, Jerry, do you have a word for the church? Like, what do you mean? Um, you want me to pray? And he goes, no, no, no. I want you to d- deliver tomorrow night's message. <laughs> be prepared in all seasons. All seasons. Tomorrow you could be called. 
whatever God's given you, whatever He put in your hand, it's a it's a valuable. You're so valuable for it to Him. So yes. Anyway, that's that's a story in itself. Um, so the one thing I didn't bring with, or did I? Dan, is my coat out there? Or? Um, oh, here it is. Unless somebody has a smartphone real quick that's really quick with a Bible. Let's go to Psalm 32.7. Can you read that out there? God told me that there's a hiding place, a secret place for somebody in this room. And He also wants you, He wants to be face to face with you. So how about 1 John? I'll, I'll look at a couple others here, but uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. The life appeared, we have seen and seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim you to the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And what what the Lord showed me there though was that when the Lord appears, it's it's only because you you're pressing in. You're really pressing in and you're serious about it. That secret place, that face-to-face encounter he, he wants with you. And for you, whoever you are, to look at First John again and, and do a little more research. And then the other one was um, Luke chapter 12. Somebody else want to do that one for me? How about you, sir? Andrew? Is it? Luke chapter 12, verse 49. We've got to go way back to the... Verse 49. Mm-hmm. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Yeah. Keep, keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Luke 12, verse 49. Am I on 12? Yeah. I apologize. I wasn't sure I was at the right place. I came to send fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, mm-hmm. and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother. So, Jesus brings fire to the earth. I have come to set the earth on fire. And how I long for every heart to be already ablaze with fiery passion for God. So we we should already be in a place, if we want us to encounter Him in a secret place, in order to do that, I mean, some of us want things, 
but we need to press in the face-to-face encounter, the heart-to-heart. All things are for you, Yahweh. They're for you, and they're through you, and they're back to you. I'm going to look at um, 1 Corinthians 13. So now keep in mind, this was last night at 8 o'clock. He threw this at me, so that's okay. I, I'm, uh, you know, who's in control here? It says in verse two, First Corinthians uh, thirteen, verse two. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And we've heard this before. So, some in the room have been on the mission field. Some are on the mission field, and some are going. Some, some of the missionaries' children are in this room. And I was stunned as a young believer. I don't know what turned you on to missions. If you say the lost, okay, God's calling on your life. But when God impacts you in such a way where you look at the lives of missionaries that have gone through incredible, incredible encounters, that's when God broke my heart. When this family came to our church and ministered in Brazil, And there was, I think, three or four children in in the family, fairly young family. And they were there a number of years. And they were itinerating in the States. And they got to looking at their picture, of their, the, the, the mission's picture. And there was four kids. But there was only three there. And uh, the missionary delivered a great message on his call and his service and what he was called to do. And so it was uh, his wife's turn to share her point of view and, and what goes on in her world. But she says, uh, I, I want to share this story with you, uh, not for you to feel sorry for us or anything like that, but I want you to know the love of God is so deep no matter what, we will serve the Lord. So their child was playing along the side of the river, which they do often, and they're, they're in and out playing around and running. And I don't mean to scare you, but it shocked me enough to cause me to really look at missions. The biggest snake that you can ever imagine come out of the water and took the child. And for her to, to speak that and I'm looking at her eyes, and I'm looking at her. And then she just kept going. She says, well, God this, God this, and God this. It shook my world. And it's like, okay, I do this for the neighborhood. I feed people. I give my used clothes away or whatever. You know, this, that, and the other thing. But she gave 
her family. She gave her son to the mission field. And she says maybe the enemy tried to take him away. But she knows where that boy is. And that boy would want their family to continue doing the work because all of them loved it. But for whatever reason, whatever God has called you to, there's going to be amazing times and there's going to be challenges. And be prepared. Be prepared for that. Be equipped. And uh, just... You know, when there's 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 missionaries here about uh, you know you've heard the martyrs and those sorts of things, but just to uh, be prepared. So um, the Lord was showing me uh, the scriptures on love, and without it, we we all know. and uh, without love, we're nothing. The scripture there. So God's heart for the lost is is our strength. But can we do it? And we say, in you, Abba Father, we can. We can't hear enough about prayer. I can't say enough about the work I do, even on the reservations. You want to talk about some challenges? Be a Native American, born again, on fire for God, believer. On the reservation. And they go, oh, here comes the apple Indian. Red on the outside, white on the inside. (laughs) And on and on. Bringing white man's religion. On and on. But until they know me. So they're judging me. I've been cussed at. I've been spit on. I had people literally stop, turn their backs while I'm speaking. So that's one of the highest levels of disrespect you can have for native. And the other one, in the traditional sense, is they take a feather and they break it in front of you. It'd be like you Americans uh, light or burn your flag in your face. Disrespects you. And whatever. So going to the reservation as a believer is about... And you as missionaries know this. You go, you learn, you listen, and you serve. You don't take your 10-pound Bible alongside and go start smacking people. Get saved, thus saith the Lord. And uh, they should take the Bible back and hit you and say, get over yourself. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is humble. It has no pride. Love is gracious. Will not find. Love is a living sacrifice. So, back to my title. I don't want to get too far off. When you look at that title, you know, the rhythm of God. And, you know, in Webster's it says uh, the rhythm is a movement and it's a fluctuation or a variation marked by a, the regular uh, recurrence or natural flow of a related element. I like that. That's a good, that's a good uh, description of rhythm. But I know one thing. Rhythm was created by God, not the devil. A lot of music out there is horrible, horrible music. And this is where uh, the native traditional things come in and the church says, well, sorry Jerry, 
eardrum used by evil because it they conjure up evil things because and they do they do they use my traditional instrument to create demonic um, curses they're using my drum they're using my tom-tom they're using the timbrel but is it the instrument that's evil but the church bought into the fact that well you native people probably shouldn't be wearing your regalia because that's part of the ceremony too so my ancestors in order to go to the church to be Christians they had to give up their language their traditions their regalia and their songs but they were saved they were born again and they did their best to look white but they weren't white so when we use this instrument now and as Jonathan Miracle who was just with us this last weekend and Richard Twist and many others have spoken these words and, and so if you were looking for a drum or any other instrument wouldn't it be great to know who made it you know I mean your guitar how many guitar players in the room piano players in the room trumpet players whatever in, how many of you have an instrument okay every one of your instruments was made by an evil person let's just say <laughs> say some Buddhists somewhere because I know keyboards are made by I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, but, but I love keyboards keyboards are beautiful all the instruments to me are beautiful but it isn't the instrument but at one time your piano was used in a bar room and then brought into a church and used for worship then it became the mainstay then the guitars happened and the poor drummers still get put in a cage to this very day <laughs> isn't that something but, but God has a way he is the great redeemer when I surrender my life I says, is it okay can I use this and it took time and it's it's a big wrestle for me at times when I do go places like we were talking I ask permission even in our native church before I start I don't take anything out I says is it okay to bring my traditional drums into your sanctuary and they go yes it's fine and we don't use them but we welcome them and then once we begin to use them and I offer up at the end of my talk I say I'm going to come back and we're going to do a drum workshop so anyone that wants an instrument of praise not an engine drum an instrument of praise I want to help you build one and that's what I do I travel all over and when I retire in seven months and so many days we're going to do this very thing we're going to take our instruments of praise and we're going to do workshops on the reservations and wherever else they'll have us and, uh, we're, and, and this is what blew my mind one time. I was ministering on the reservation. And we're done and I'm packing up. And this young man came up to me. And he just looked at me. And I thought, okay, something's up. And he said, thank you for singing over us. How many singers in this room? 
just the fact that you sang a song over someone that blessed them in such a way that it impacted their lives. All you did was sing. How precious is that for someone to come to you and say, thank you for just singing over us. And did that make a difference in me? Yes. So now, then I'll bring my instruments and all the other things, and I'll be happy to sing songs, uh, you know, over you and through you and, and into the atmosphere. So I take this 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 very seriously. It isn't. This isn't going to save anyone. So I want to get back to one more thing. Uh, the South African pastor who invited us to Holland. We came back and we ministered more. And Chief Maureen gets up and speaks out. She goes, Thank you for allowing our traditional drums to be used in your church. And the reason for that is that our drums have a way of calling our people. And I got to thinking about that. So if you're all walking in a nice, warm summer day through the park, and all of a sudden you're hearing, um, let's go with this other guy here. I would bet you, you would follow that sound. You would. But especially our native people. You were raised in a church where where keyboards or a harp, if you heard a harp, you would just go. Our native people gravitate. They they hunger for that because they don't get enough of it. The majority of the native people in the urban cities don't even know their culture. They don't know anything about it. And they get close to this and they go, we want more of this. They're so hungry and passionate for that. That's what God's called me to do. Go into the mission field. And this is what He called me to do. To be yourself somewhere else. Everyone in this room. Everyone's called. Even in your neighborhood. In your classroom. You are to go be yourself somewhere else. Nothing complicated about that. We don't have to travel across the planet to do kingdom work. Kingdom work is right here. So, we're in agreement that God created rhythm. The devil didn't create rhythm. And here's a good example. If your heart stopped, you would really value rhythm (laughs) right he created rhythm for a purpose look how time is flying I didn't even got to my notes no so I went from a native traditional mindset to Jesus leading the way the whole way and as you can probably tell I am so led by the Holy Spirit in everything I do I don't do anything. When I build a drum, and I'm in the process of it, inside these drums, inside, there's scriptures. 
Inside these drums is anointing oil. Sometimes inside these drums are Hebrew words of praise. So I anoint them and I and I and I pour into it what what God wants me to put into it. I do a song for you. One I was written. Um, someone was asking what this was. This is a traditional drum. Real complicated? No. But we all do ceremonies. So in a lot of our canoe journeys, this you'll hear these a lot. And you know, in the percussion world, it's it's like a clava. It's but we use a paddle or canoe shaped. Uh, in, in some cases, in our traditional way, that's a drum. So, and we have many forms of drums or rattles, like this uh, Southern California tribe. They have a gourd with a handle with popcorn in it. And the brother gifted me that. He goes, here's our drum. I went, wow, that's cool. I go, I like your drum. We have uh, been gifted a Bible called Great Above One. And I thought, and it was designed to minister to Native people. So why not use some of our language? You know, that, that that's kind of a native term. We use creator. You know, I told you, Ochicha Siam, and great above one, and stuff like that. And we use the word grandfather. And this one is, um, I mean, he is grand, right? Yes. He is the father. Yes. So a lot of our native traditional people use the word grandfather as creator. So you'll hear that phrase. So... Yeshua heyo, Yeshua heyo, hey hiyo, Yeshua heyo, hey Yahweh, well hey Yahweh, Yeshua, Yeshua heyo, hey hiyo, Yeshua heyo, hey Yahweh. Father, hear us. Well, hey, y'all, well, well, hey, y'all, well, high over all. You see us. Yeshua, Yeshua, hey, oh, hey, Yeshua, hey, oh, hey, Yahweh. Well, hey, Yahweh, oh, hey, well, hey, Yahweh. I cut that short for time. Um, but I've got a lot of songs I've written kind of talking about, and I sing about the Lord. I sing about His grace, His love, His passion. And um, I was asked to um, be very prompt. I know, is there a following session after one or 2.30? I believe there is. If you have any questions, I'm going to be out. 
out here somewhere. And uh, but um, and I have a ministry. It's under my name. Um, it's either under Jerry Chapman Ministries, or I was given a native name, and it's uh, Drum Speaker. So I have Drum Speaker to the Nations. So if you look me up that way, say you were at the class. And uh, I, I would love to answer any questions. We probably have a minute. If does anybody have a specific question that's really burning? Yeah. Has the Holy Spirit ever asked you to tune a drum that you made to a specific frequency? Yes. Hmm. Yep. Yep. And and I needed help from other musicians like a keyboard and uh, or guitar and flute. And uh, flute's another challenge. That, um, uh, but yeah, I've been asked to do my best to get uh, a particular drum to this particular pitch or whatever and so they would utilize it and uh, uh, more accomplished musicians than me um, but uh, yeah I have and it's quite a challenge and I went from building these to uh, restoring drum sets to, re- to making Celtic Irish borongs to African style to and here's the thing I'm a percussion nut crazy fanatic kind of a guy. You look at my shop and my my drum shop, it's just like every drum in the nation is up there. From India, Pakistan, Indonesia, you name it. I'm, I'm, I'm a collector of percussion because I want to pray and, and, and worship our king. And I'll utilize whatever instrument. One quick story and I'll end. Ministering in Bend, Oregon, and this African was there and he was speaking that evening. And uh, it was me and two young guys I just picked up and taught them some songs, and they showed up. And I'm playing this, all of a sudden I'm playing this drum, and next thing I know, you know, and I'm playing as a drummer, but, but it's... You know, the African... And I'm doing this thing, and this brother walks up before he begins to speak, and he says... You played our exact song, but it was from the Holy Spirit. Because I'm playing, and all of a sudden I'm says, and I'm playing, I'm drumming, and I'm going, what am I playing? And sometimes I look at my hands and I go, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit is just leading it all. And I just kind of fly with it and let go with it and give God all the glory. Amen? So bless you folks, and fill out your little card thingies, and... Um, and you, there's no one else in this room for another couple of hours, so people want to... Uh, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to keep going, unless you guys need to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just, uh, let me, uh, I'm just going to, anybody wants to go, go ahead, go. Um, How about another question? Yeah. Um, drums used in kind of a new age. Yes. Why do you have to say that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, did you guys hear that question? Well, yeah, I don't know exactly. But she said that a lot of drums are used in new age. And, uh, I mean, I partner with a guy that does crystal bowl ministry. I thought, oh, that's kind of out there. And I thought, well, I said, I, I, I challenged him on the history and where it come from. And he says, again, if the Buddhists or whoever are playing these bowl instruments, crystal bowls, you know, to do their thing, 
and again, is it the bowl, or is it? And uh, he did his research and found out that these bowls were designed for more honoring things than that. So the the New Age obviously loved Native America. The New Age just they they don't leave us alone. Native American shows up in the New Age uh, community. He sit down at a restaurant having coffee and breakfast. They come right to him. They're not ashamed at all. They go, can we talk to you? Because a oh, wise one is going to tell them Indian wisdom, and they're going to they're going to learn from the Indian way, the spiritual, the spiritism, and they do that. And yeah, they'll use congas, they'll use djembes, the African. They'll use every type of instrument, shakers similar to my little old little guy there. And uh, they use bells, they use rattle, I've got rattles, and all those other sorts of things. <laughs> but again, it isn't the instrument, but it's the heart of the person that's using this instrument. That's the, um, here's, a th- here's another thing, though. I've, ta- I've brought instruments home before, but I didn't know it. But there was this little fetish on it. And I'm like, what? What's that? And I'd show that to my wife, and she goes... And I go, I don't think that's going to stay in our home. I think, I think, that, I think that's going to go away. Well, sometimes they add things. I mean, if we walked around out here right now, the enemy of our soul is out there. We don't know what kind of witchcraft and is out there cursing what we're doing right now. Hey, I go to sessions all over this all over the country, especially in Indian country. There are shaman, witches, demon possessed, all of it. And they're there to curse me and to denounce all the positive encouraging words I have for their community. They don't want me there. But we press in because God is greater. Greater is He that is in me. So, yeah, I have my challenges, but at the same time, yeah, I use, um, like I was sharing earlier about your question, Holy Spirit showed me in how to make that. I didn't come up with that idea, but He just showed me. And when I heard the sound of that, I just felt a resonating something. It's like a prayer drum. To me, that's a prayer drum. To me, this is a war drum. This hand drum is a ceremonial drum. The hand drum is uh, for graduations, weddings, all the things that we do traditionally as a family. We have uh, welcoming songs. We have, you name it, song. We have a song for everything. So, uh, yeah. Anyway... I don't know what else I could say. I mean, it, it's a good argument for me that God can redeem redeem anything He wants to redeem. If you have a second, I want to read something Ray Hughes wrote. Ray Hughes wrote this. I dare say God never intended for us to throw away what He designed to be used in, in our worship of Him. We are to be a people of redemption and restoration, anointed of the Holy Spirit, to exercise all of our creativity and demonstrate all our emotions as we submit our spirits, souls, and bodies to show forth the praises of God. 
Drums were used to augment and enhance the dynamics and expressions of worship and must continue to serve that purpose today. And Ray is a great, great guy, and I built drums for Ray, and he's ministered with us. We've partnered with Ray before. Here's another thing I liked he wrote. In the spirit realm, we have given allegiance to this effeminate, passive sound of music. It's a spiritual thing, for all music is a spiritual reality. God desires to release a sound that our petty issues cannot resist. But the sound God desires to release will chase religion from the church and bring truth. He desires the sound of many waters, the sound of mighty thunder, and the sound of His glory and authority in the church. And I went, Amen. Amen to that. Because... the nations that you've been to in the U.S. Um, have you been to the majority of? The I've been to probably half. Okay. And have you been to the Blackfeet tribe? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've been all, all over Montana, Idaho, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota. I've been to California, a number of places in California. All over Oregon, Washington, all over Washington, and uh, probably half the provinces of British Columbia. I've been to South America, Ecuador, and ministered there. And then an interesting challenge and an interesting invitation, an an invite to uh, uh, um, uh, Indonesia. Our kids were ministering there, and our granddaughter was only like two or so at the time. That was hard for me to see her clear across the world. But after two years of FaceTime and whatnot, they said, we, we found a good price on tickets. So we bought tickets and flew over there. And I was... <clears throat> And my son-in-law is a musician, but he says, hey, can you bring some native drums with you? And I go, well, what do you want? He goes, can you bring kind of like a mini set of what you make? So I, I, I build this, maybe I'll dig it up here in a second. Uh, I build these massive native drum sets, and they're percussion. And um, so I built this little mini thing where all the drums go inside each other in one case. So I was able to take that to Indonesia. And I ended up having... Uh, a meeting with a men's group and uh, they asked me to do songs so I did a few songs and I was doing and they go well can you come and do worship and that night and it was a secret place down an alley and you had to look and see who was coming so they opened the door and they ministered all the people in the streets because it was illegal to to minister uh, publicly openly to the public so I go there, and then we're doing this thing outside in the backyard of a place, and there's geckos behind me going all over, <laughs> bats flying over, this, that, and the other thing. But the Lord says, I have a word for the, the nationals here, the, the host people. And I begin to challenge them and pray in the same way we as First Nations were treated all across everywhere. I said, you guys were treated in the same manner. But I said, in order for you to get past that hurdle, especially you elders, there was a lot of them, I said, would you, would you please consider repenting 
and just submitting and, and letting go of those offenses. And I says, and if you do, this is what will happen. The whole front of the church got filled. And you know, the majority of them were elders. And I looked at that, and they, they, they prayed with me. And then I began to do drum songs, and I began to sing. And I've never seen men do this before. But I've never seen, I've never seen uh, the type of worship uh, expression before. And as, as the drumming was going on, and we were drumming, they were literally lunging with their worship. They were lunging with everything they had. And I'd never seen anything like it. And, and it was so powerful, it just blew my mind. So in the midst of that crowd was a white American man, big guy, who owned a radio station and TV, like a local TV station. He comes up to me and he goes... I have a local TV station that broadcasts all over Indonesia, and I have a radio program. Would you be interested in doing a live recording of all your songs that you know? And I go, I know a lot of songs. He goes, you got an hour and a half. Would you consider? And I said, so does that mean camera? He goes, yep, You're gonna be, there's going to be a camera on you. And by the time I got done, and we had the hour and a half done, and he goes, click, and he says, as of today, all your songs are going to be shown all over Indonesia. So the video of the songs, the tribal man from the United States, Canada, is singing a blessing to the Indonesians all over. And there's six million people in the city of Jakarta. Six million people, and we were there. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's... Uh, but kind of an expanded answer there, but... Uh, so were you part of the, the group that went to Azusa now? Yeah. I was dressed in black regalia with the, with the uh, paddles, the hat, and I was the hand drummer leading. I got asked to lead the, the shofars from the Jewish community and our 120 drum ministry at the same time. So Jonathan was leading, you know, he was the guitar player, and I was running back and forth in the, out there leading the hand drummers with the, you know, watching, but then the waiting for the shofars, and as we slowed down, then I forget, 70 some shofars were trumpeting all of it. One of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. You know, something about, something, something about that, you know, and I'm out there, I'm on the stage looking at, at the time I was out there, they said there were 70,000 people in the, in the seats. And what I heard, I heard a rush like I've never heard. But the Lord was showing me, I said, show me something here. And he began to, he began to separate colors for me. He says, this group is doing this because they're, they're hot. This group is doing this. They're serving, you know, the least of these. And these people are doing this. He showed me colors. And I've never seen that before, ever. So I heard the rush like of a mighty rushing wind. And there was all these voices. And I'm thinking, I was in my imagination, I'm going, what's heaven going to sound like? I just heard 70,000 people praising God. Their own voices. 
and the Jewish people were over here the Messianics were, were cracking into the atmosphere with their trumpets, their shofars their horns of worship the indigenous people were of the land were bringing in that sound and everybody else was joining in that was a profound time when the native drummers started there and it was a, there was a group of Koreans around us yes. who we were prayed without that. ceasing and they just like a rocket took off to a whole nother level when the drums started there, there was there they had a delegation of people like I've never seen. They were like an army. I mean, the men uh, in the suits and ties, the business people, they were coming in like an army, like, okay, we're going to support this. Then all these people started showing up. One of our biggest helps in native ministry is the Asians, the Chinese, the Koreans, and we had people from uh, Mongolia, partnering with us. Powerful. Oh, so the biggest helps I've ever seen are the Asian people are just, they're coming on strong. And they go, you're distant relatives of us. So, okay. Okay, we receive that. So, so Lord, we just bless the rest of this. I know we went longer than normal, but, but Father, you are honored. We focus everything on you. And thank you for showing us uh, your, your light and your passion for your people. And especially the rest of this weekend, Father, I just pray that you would break through. Break through in some areas and give people breakthrough. I just pray that right now. Answer to prayer. Answers to prayer right now for those that are seeking you and an answer. Where do I go? What do I do? How am I going to do it? Father, you are the great provider. You are the answer to all things. So we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in this wonderful time. We ask in your son Yeshua's name. And we say in native country, Aho. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.